Hey everyone, welcome back to the Plant-Based Performance Podcast. Today I wanted to introduce my next interview guest. Her name is Bridget Jemme and she's from Vancouver, Canada. She is passionate about spreading the vegan food love and she has been vegan since 2015. Her background is in environmental and agriculture, but the more she researched she did um, and as she had a family realized that she wanted to be fully vegan. Um, And then in that journey that she had, she realized that she really needed to streamline meal planning and preparation. So she took off some time, um, took out that time and that stress. And she really just wants to share the tools that she developed. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I know I learned a lot about vegan meal planning and batch cooking as well that I um, knew kind of tips and things that I realized that, you know, I could also use myself and also um, help clients to do as well. So hopefully you enjoy this episode and we'll see you on the other side. And we're live. Hi, everyone. I am Coach Kayla, online plant-based dietitian, nutrition run coach. And this is, let me make sure I spell, say your name right. Brid, I know it's like French, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my husband calls Brigitte, me Brigitte, right? and that's good enough Brigitte. for Anglophones. That's Brigitte. perfect. Yeah, okay. Brigitte Gem. Okay. Brigitte Gem. Okay. Awesome. So she is from the Vegan Family Kitchen, and she's going to tell us all about today about batch cooking and how it is beneficial specifically for vegan runners, as you guys all are, especially in my Facebook group, um, on you know why batch cooking is so important and all of that stuff. So, um, And she works specifically with families as well. So I think this is really, really great because I know a lot of people, too, in the group have families, and it's not easy to meal prep and plan, especially, you know, trying to meet all your needs, right, as a runner and somebody that's plant-based. So yeah, excited to talk with her today. Um, If you are live, let me know you're here. Say hi, Anika's on. Hi, Anika. Welcome. And if you are just watching this on replay, just comment below and let us know that you're watching this on replay. So let's see, what is my first question? Oh, so how... How long and why are, how long have you been plant-based and why did you decide to be plant-based? Yeah, so I I first came to eating a plant-based diet for primarily environmental reasons. The year was 2013. And uh, so I'm originally from Montreal, uh, hence the French accent. Um, but at that time we were living in Vancouver, so on the wet coast of Canada. And then uh, for one year, we had to go to the Bay Area to Stanford because my husband was finishing his uh, subspecialty training. He's a physician. So we had to go there for a year. And at the time, um, I was working at UBC, so the University of British Columbia. I was the manager of research services in one of the faculties. And I had staff. And my, my boss was just so awesome. She allowed me to work remotely. Uh, so I was working at home in California. And the deal was that I had to come to the office every six weeks or so. So I was doing a lot of flying and I was feeling super guilty about it. And at the same time, 2013, there was that that multi-year drought in California. And I swear for the whole time we were there, it rained for like five hours, like for a whole year. <laughs> and on the one hand, you know, it was really awesome for, for cycling and running and, you know, it was just beautiful. But then I kept thinking about that lady. I don't know if you've ever heard of of her. Her name is uh, Turia Pitt. She's an Australian. And she Mm -hmm. was running this ultra marathon when there was a a wildfire that caught in the brush. And she burned over like 65% of her body, right? And I kept having those visions when I was going for trail runs. You know, what if? Because it was tender, dry, right? And I was always really worried. And so environmental issues became really personal, for me during that year, where on the one hand, I felt like I was really a big part of the problem. And at the same time, I could be a very, you know, possible victim of, you know, the, the, the weather conditions, basically, that we were contributing to as, as humans with, mm-hmm. you know, human activity driven climate change. Anyway, so I was feeling really strongly about it. And I happened upon a book at that time that was written by 
really an acquaintance, like somebody I used to work with. And it was about the environmental and ethical aspects of, of animal agriculture. And I was like, oh, you know, I always thought of myself as this like green, eco-friendly person. But I was like, oh, I've, you know, I'm fueling my running and my cycling and my activity on, on steak, really. You know, that's, I'm mm -hmm. also part of the problem. And so at that time, I, I decided to completely uh, stop cooking with those, you know, animal products, so meat, dairy, and eggs. So at home, if I was at a restaurant, I would be, you know, flexible and order the vegetarian option. I think at the time, mm -hmm. vegan options were not that common. And uh, if I was at my in-laws, well, I will eat whatever came out of the barbecue, which was usually steak, right? And so I still had that soft spot for steak. Um, but then in 2015, uh, I had my second child. And if anybody who's listening has breastfed, they will probably recognize themselves. I was spending my days on the couch, right, with this tiny little new baby. Mm -hmm. And when you're on the couch with a tiny new baby that, like, falls asleep on you and you can't move, well, you spend a lot of time on your phone and reading, you know, articles. And so I spent more time reading about um, the animal rights and ethics of, of animal food. And I had this little baby on me and I was nursing him, right? And I was thinking, what if somebody, like we do to cows, right? What if somebody took away my baby? pumped my milk and like re-inseminated me to have more babies um, so that, you know, you could keep the milk production going. And I was thinking also about, you know, hens that were really, you know, we, we harness the reproductive organs of hens for, for our personal needs. And at that biological phase of my life was a, when I was really a, a, a milk machine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's, that's wrong. I don't want to have any part of this anymore. And that's when I, I decided to go fully vegan. So that was the big, you know, the, the big transition for me was that summer of 2015 when I was like, okay, I, I don't want to have any part to do with this anymore. Wow. So big transition. Yeah. 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 That's so cool though. I don't often hear stories like that, that come from that really strong environmental reason, which is really great. I think. Yeah. We weren't, you know, we weren't thinking about health really back then, which is, yeah. I, I mean, we were healthy people. I think we thought we were eating a pretty healthy diet, mostly right. home-cooked food. You know, um, my mom and my husband's mom were, were, are both great cooks. Mm -hmm. And we ate, you know, pretty well, or so did we think, right? Uh, and we weren't mm -hmm. healthy, so we weren't thinking about that. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, if I made, you know, I see it differently now. Unfortunately, my, my father passed away last year of a lifetime of, you know, not great eating, despite my mother's best efforts. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking more about longevity now. And so now the health aspect mm. is a, a lot more present in my life, mm. but back then totally, it was really coming from more of a, an ethical perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great. And then what, um, so I'd like to know more too about, I think your journey too, as a runner. So I know you're also a runner and a mother. So how does, how has running played in all of this as well? Yeah, I think I've heard you say before that you were not much of a, you know, you didn't like running much as a kid. Um, yes. And I was, I was, I was the same. I was that nerdy girl. I mean, I'm not saying you were a nerdy girl. I was a nerdy girl. Oh, I was. Um, when I was I in, in school. Yeah, and I was always the last person Sorry. picked on the team. And, you know, I'm like, what were teachers thinking, you know, in letting kids pick other kids on the teams, like I just still feel it, you know, being the last person on the bench and never being picked for, for team sports. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't like team sport very much, but I really liked the cycle. I think cycling was a very, um, it was like independence. You know, I could cycle mm -hmm. in my hometown. And then eventually when I, I moved to the city, to Montreal, I would, I would cycle to work. And, you know, you didn't have to wait for the bus. You didn't have to deal with a car and pay all that money. It was really freedom. And uh, sometime in my mid twenties, I, it was anyway. I got a road bike, and I was like, "This is awesome!" <laughs> you know, like those fast, like those skinny tires. And I got really into hill climbing. You know, up and down was just the the best thing for me. And I really, really enjoyed cycling. And so um, I came to Vancouver in two thousand and five to to do a PhD here at the University of British Columbia, and it was seriously like my third day here and my new I was living on campus and I was all doled up like dressed up I was going to my friend's wedding 
uh, I had a friend in Vancouver. She was getting married. I was going down the stairs and up the stairs, this guy was coming um, all decked out in Lycra with this really nice road bike. Um, and he was looking very fit, right? <laughs> and I said, hmm, nice bike. <laughs> anyway, so that was my husband. I mean, now he's my husband, then he was not. Uh, but great. you know, that's how we met. And uh, Chris, that's his name, uh, was very much into triathlon at the time. And uh, that's, you know, a couple months later, we were dating and we've been married now almost 15 years. Um, but because he was into triathlon, I was like, that looks fun. I'll do it. And mm -hmm. I didn't know how to swim. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to teach myself to swim, but running was something you know, I was okay at. Um, and so because I didn't mm -hmm. like swimming very much, I didn't really stick with triathlon. But running was something really cool because in Vancouver, you can cycle year round. Um, but in the winter, it rains like a lot. And eventually mm -hmm. I was cycling through the winter and you get soaked and you're cold. And it was like, I'd rather be running, you know? Yeah. So that's that's what I just decided to focus on in the winters. And I would sign up for mm -hmm. longer, you know, half marathon distance. So it would keep me out on the road, you know, exercising for longer periods. And in the summer, mm -hmm. I was more focused on cycling when it's warmer. So I could never run mm -hmm. in Florida like you because I'm like, it's way too hot. <laughs> you know, even when, you, when you think it's, it's cold for me, it's too hot. Um, but winter running is really awesome. Um, and as on the one hand, I advanced in my PhD and I had to be really, really focused on getting that thing written. Uh, I really, running became a big focus because you could just, you know, get out and run and it's done. You know, cycling, mm -hmm. it takes a long time. Running is really efficient. So, and you can go out there and connect with your, you know, the forest or whatnot. So that was really fun. Um, and then with kids, it's the same thing. You know, I, I don't think I went for a bike ride until my daughter was five years old because it's just, it wow. takes so long. You need to get dressed, you know, while you're getting dressed, something's going to happen. A child will cry. They don't mm -hmm. want you to go, you know, whereas running, you just take your shoes outside and you close the door and then you yeah. put on your shoes, you, <laughs> you know? So, so running was really a, a sanity saving in terms of exercise. So um, yeah. to this now I'm a little, you know, when I hit my forties, I started thinking I need to do more strength training. As you can see, I have really biceps. Uh, <laughs> so I decided to do more for, for bone, for bone health mostly. And yeah. um, there's an Orange Theory gym that opened across the street from me. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I've been going there. Um, but then the, pand the pandemic hit and I was back running on the streets um, to, to get my exercise and lifting weights at home. Mm -hmm. So it's been a return to running and it's been really... I think I enjoy it even more now than I did before. It just feels yeah. it feels really free um, and, and very satisfying. I don't really care about how fast I'm going. I'm just enjoying it. So it's yeah. super fun. That's awesome. I love that. I love all of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so great. So great. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Now I want to shift a little bit and talk more about the vegan family kitchen and how, how that started. Yeah, um, thing, combination of circumstances. So in, in 2015, when I went fully vegan and I had my second child, um, I was also in the midst of a professional crisis, like professional midlife crisis kind of thing. I had been working in academia for 15 years. You know, sometimes I was a student, sometimes I was a, a researcher, sometimes I was more on the uh, kind of policymaking side. And... I have a lot of appreciation for basic research. Like my work at that time was really supporting the work of, of other researchers rather than doing my, my own research, right? And um, I just became kind of upset. Oh, no, no, uh, hold on a second. Eric, yeah, thank you. My, my son's made a picture. You wanna show your picture? And then, okay, okay, I'm, I'm on a meeting, Eric. No, not right now, I'm sorry. Okay, go see that. <laughs> it's spring break, so the kids are at home from school. Aww. Yeah. Okay. Can I show my friend? Okay. You're going to camp in the living room. That's awesome. Sorry about that. All of us. All of us. Yeah. I need to finish my meeting for it. Yes. Okay. I should have locked that door. Okay. He, he is quite cute. He got a haircut. 
Um, oh, so sorry about that. So I was saying that I was in this professional midlife crisis, um, mm -hmm. exemplified by this year, where on the one hand I was seeing all these really big problems in society, right? And um, you know, we've mentioned climate change and poverty and all those things. And really, about a lot of those problems, we know what to do already. Like there's solutions that exist. Mm -hmm. We've looked them up, but we're not doing it. And I kind of became impatient. I was like, sure, I want those people to keep on doing their work, but I feel the need to be more directly applying um, the knowledge that we already have. And mm -hmm. at that time, at the same time, my husband was um, starting his full-time professional career, which meant that our, you know, he was working crazy hours and childcare was greatly diminished. So I had to do a shift in my life for my sanity and I decided not to go back to work mm -hmm after my mat leave and um, see if I could start a small business online instead. And mm -hmm. there were lots of ideas that I kicked around, but at the end of the day, there's one area that people want support for, and it's usually their food. And because of my project management background, mm -hmm. I think I was getting pretty good at organizing myself around that plant-based uh, meal planning and batch cooking thing. And I decided mm -hmm. to, to make that the focus of my business. And that's how the Vegan Family Kitchen was born. That's awesome. That's so cool. And what was the reason behind, you know, really focusing on vegan and families? Well, that's the funny thing, you know, because um, in the last year, I've started to recognize that most of my clients actually don't have families and they're not <laughs> vegan either. <laughs> and oh, that's funny. People who want to eat more plants. And um, I think everybody struggles with that eternal question of yes. what's for dinner, right? Um, mm -hmm. My mom always said the hardest thing about dinner is not cooking, it's not getting groceries, it's not even cleaning, it's just deciding what the heck to cook, right? Mm -hmm. And that was so true uh, for me, especially when I, I went plant-based because I thought I was a pretty good cook right before I was, you know, my mom taught me a lot and I was really, you know, growing into my own, you know, family cook kind of thing, not a super mm -hmm. fancy chef, but I was, I was doing okay. Um, but like all of a sudden it just seemed like so much to think about and so many different uh, variables that I didn't know much about. And it was really, really overwhelming, especially with the kids. Uh, and that's where mm -hmm. I think it doesn't matter if the people you're trying to feed are kids or they're adults. Everybody's picky in their own way, right? Everybody has their own preferences. And if you just mm -hmm. think of feeding yourself, it's, it's not that hard, <laughs> you know. But when <laughs> others come into the mix, it can be really, really stressful. And mm -hmm. you want the best for you, sure. But you also, you know, you want your kids to grow. You have like, I don't know family members that tell you, oh, you can't raise your kids vegan, you know, mm -hmm. you're not feeding the meat or whatever. You have you have a lot sure. of stress, right? So trying to take some of the stress out was something that I focused on because so I'm mm -hmm. I'm a sociologist by training. I'm not a dietitian or anything mm -hmm. like that. I'm more of a project manager and a sociologist. Like I, I understand how people change and how societies change. That's my that's my thing. <laughs> um, so I try to make the meal plans the easiest possible. I try to you know, help people make that transition to in the easiest possible way, like not to have to worry yeah. about what for dinner. Um, I, mm -hmm. I incorporate a lot of the knowledge that I get from reading the literature um, and I try to pass it on. But really, yeah, at the, at, at the juncture when you have, especially young children, it's really, I think it adds an extra layer of a little bit of anxiety even, you know, like, mm -hmm. what if I, what if I don't get us right? Like the stakes are high, right? You want your kids yes. to grow and to be, to be as, as wonderful as they can be. Um, right. So that's really, uh, although it's not the majority of my clients, I think it's still a big focus mm -hmm. for me to make sure that we all get the nutrition we need to be the best we can be, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've even had conversations with clients before and they're like, I just, it's so overwhelming. You know, I don't know how to fix. I feel, you know, I feel like I'm a failure as a mom and no one wants yeah. to, you don't want to feel like that. And yeah, that can yeah. just help so much. Yeah. And it's, you know, for, uh, we were talking, I was mentioning breastfeeding earlier, right? And yeah. we're still in a culture where, I mean, I think it's changed since I had my first child almost 10 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's still a lot of people that 
you know, my mother did not breastfeed and, you know, very few of my older relatives did. And so whenever you had a fussy baby or, you know, your baby has a tummy issue or whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, funny behavior, oh, it's because you're breastfeeding, right? And mm -hmm. we get the same thing with the plant-based food. You yes. know, it's tempting to just blame everything on the food, right? And mm -hmm. so if, you know, your kid is not growing right or it's growing too much, you know, they're gaining weight, they're not gaining enough weight. If they're mm -hmm. like coming in again to show some more drawing <laughs> while I'm having a meeting, oh, you are going to camp in the living room no, tonight. We are. We, we are going to camp. So maybe that's... I'm you. Yeah, okay, thank you very much. I'm included. <laughs> I'm so, so grateful. They're so awesome. uh, but you know, if, if, if they're behaving funny, maybe it's because they're short on some nutrient because you're not feeding them meat, right? right. And so it's always something that people really, really worry mm -hmm. about. And it's sure. it's not true. I mean, it's I mean, mm -hmm. there are for sure weirdo people who feed their kids like I don't know, water and air, you know. And <laughs> you know, that's vegan, but that's not good for you, right? Um, right. But I think the vast majority of of people I know who are plant-based parents are really, really, really mindful yeah. of what they put on the table and they work so hard to educate themselves. And we really don't have much to worry about compared to, you know, feeding mm -hmm. our kids, vegan, you know, chicken, chicken nuggets all day yeah. long and, and right. fries and ketchup Chemicals and, pizza, right? and processed. <laughs> or even, even like cheese, like is just such a yeah. gross thing. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I used to love cheese, but now I think about it and I'm like, oh, goodness mm -hmm. gracious, you know? And yeah. I'm so glad I'm not putting my kids through that. Um, and they, you know, if they choose to eat some on their own, that's that's their choice. But their vast majority yeah. of their food is is plant based, and they get plenty of fiber and plenty of all the nutrients yeah. that they really need. You know? Wow, that's great. And do the kids ever have they ever complained or not liked anything? Oh, they don't like anything all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what they do. You know, sometimes um, my my son. He's, he's five now. My daughter is starting to be more adventurous, you know, interesting. Mm -hmm. I'd like to try this, mom. And like she'll have a piece oh, and she's like, no, nah, no. Nah. They don't like things that are like spicy or seasoned and they don't like things mixed mm -hmm. together. But they eat a lot yeah. of different kind of foods. But so my son sometimes mm -hmm. will sit down and look at what's on the table and he'll be like, mom, I want a different dinner. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's hard not to curse, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, there's no different dinner. You know, this is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's not easy all the time. Um, the, yeah. the the main thing that I find really hard as as more as an ethical vegan, right, is that if we yeah. go out, there's always a kids not not always, but often if you go eat out, there's a, a kids menu, right? And mm -hmm. there's usually on the adult menu, there's a couple of vegan options that will sometimes be really good, right? Mm -hmm. And at the very least, you know, they'll have a Beyond Burger or something, you know. But then right. for the kids' menu, it's always, you know, pasta with tomato sauce, which my kids will eat the plain pasta, but they don't want the sauce. <laughs> or like fried chicken strips with fries and maybe mac and cheese, and they won't eat like non vegan cheese. So, like, those are their options. Like, they won't eat a salad or, you know, anything fancier so that's that's really a challenge so sometimes when or mm -hmm. if, even if we go to chipotle well there's black beans but they're really spicy whereas the mm -hmm. meat is a lot more mild so my kids mm -hmm. will still eat non-vegan food when they're they're outside just because they they don't they can't stand the taste and i can feel that my daughter is really starting to struggle with it like she's mm -hmm. she's like oh i don't want to go to chipotle because she doesn't mm -hmm. like that it's it's like pork that she's going to eat but then you know if she she, she doesn't want to eat um the vegan option because it's just not to her liking so that's that's the part that's right. a little bit of a struggle so they often prefer uh vastly to eat at home and to eat you know whatever mm -hmm. is in their lunchbox we don't have a lunch program at schools here so it's it's not too much mm -hmm. of a not all the schools but most schools anyway um mm -hmm. so they they don't struggle with that like all their friends eating something that they're not eating um, mm -hmm. yeah so mostly mostly they're pretty happy about it but they're mm -hmm. um, selective eaters is the way to say it <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they're a little choosy yes exactly yeah yeah that's great though that they'll they'll try things and and like our understand our learning 
too. Like yeah, why, totally. why they're eating this way, which I think yeah. is so great to educate your kids. And I don't see that a lot, at least the kids that I've, you know, I've talked to or worked with in the past is, you know, they don't have that education at home about mm. nutrition. And I used to go in and teach these kids about nutrition. And I was, it was just so hard. It was heartbreaking to me because these kids are, are just not getting fed the food that they should be. And they just, they're like looking at me like, yeah. what? <laughs> What's all this, you know, vegetables? I mean, yeah. you know, my kids, I think, you know, the more I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to just self justify, right? But I, I really wonder sometimes if there's something in, I mean, we know that kids don't like greens in general because they're a little bitter. And, you know, mm -hmm. from an evolutionary perspective, it's better that you don't go walk about, eat all the bitter things because they're going to kill you, right? In, in, in the savanna or whatever, right? Um, so that's, there's a deep evolutionary reason for that. But sometimes I wonder, you know, maybe they do need to eat more of the, you know, carb things and, and, or, you know, they eat plain beans and plain things and maybe less of the vegetables. I mean, I'm, I want them mm -hmm. to be open about vegetables, but I'm not forcing them to sure. eat all the things, right? They eat red pepper because it's, it's sweet, right? And they like that. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't, you know, I, I'm guessing that their little bodies know what they're doing to some extent. Um, right. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so far, so good. You know, they're they're healthy, they're dynamic, yeah. they're thriving, they're you know sharp little witty kids. So, I'm I think it's going to be all right. Yeah, good, good. We do have a question that just came in. If your kids don't want to eat what you offer, how do you handle it? Uh, that's a great question. Um, well, so most of the the meals and the way I cook, so I follow my meal plans. We'll we'll get back to that in a minute. But I follow yeah. my own meal plans, and they're meant to be deconstructed. That means that, um, I mean, the easiest example is say a, a bowl or some pasta or whatever, right? So I will cook the ingredients, um, but as I go, I set aside plain unseasoned things and I put them on a plate for them. And there's always going to be in every meal, at least one or two things that are like green light, happy foods for them, you know, or if they're not totally happy, they're at least tolerable foods, right? So mm -hmm. they eat pasta, they eat quinoa, they eat grains, whatever. So there's going to be that and it will be uncontaminated, <laughs> you know, no sauce, <laughs> no seasoning. So I just, I'm not cooking a separate meal for them. I just extract those ingredients as I go um, and I set them aside for them so they can pick what they want. And not all the time, but usually I try to give them a little bit of the, of the main, like the way the adults eat it. Mm -hmm. And they might or might not touch it. So my daughter increasingly will venture. And, you know, recently she started putting her sauce on her pasta. <laughs> you know, I, I was trying not to jump up and down at the table. Right? But, uh, I was like, oh, that's, that's great, Chloe. <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, previously she might have eaten the sauce or the pasta separately. So I think most kids mm -hmm. want that freedom to compose their own meal. I mean, for, it's mm -hmm. like, um, you know, nobody likes to be force-fed food that they don't want or don't know. And there's a natural reluctance mm -hmm. there, and I get it, right? So they, they mm -hmm. have the freedom to assemble their own meal based on the components that we have. And generally, you know, if they don't, if they come short, you know, if there's really not a whole lot in, in it for them for the dinner, um, mm -hmm. then usually they will you know, double down on the on the snack later in the evening. So we make, you know, they always have a fruit snack in the evening. They might have some maybe vegan yogurt or they will have extra uncooked pasta or beans or they like plain tofu. It's kind of weird. <laughs> they like that, I guess. It's a, wow. it's a acquired taste. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so they just have more at the next meal usually. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, decomposing the meals is, it gives them the freedom to explore. Mm-hmm without having me cook a completely separate meal. Yeah. Once in a while, I have exactly. to say, in all honesty, you know, if I'm making vegan pizza, you know, the adult's pizza, uh, because, you, you know, mm -hmm. I can't make a super big pizza, so I make smaller pizza, so I will make one for the adults that will have whatever, you know, fancy, smart ingredients that I'm putting on it. And I might yeah. make a kid's pizza with, like, vegan pepperoni and mm -hmm. a little bit of vegan cheese on it, um, and it will make them feel, like, 
special and love that I've made a Aww. special thing for them. But you know, it's yeah. it's not getting out of my way really. We're all still having pizza. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll do that on occasion. But yeah, most of the time they eat some version of what we're having, um, mm -hmm. but based on their personal readiness. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's really great because I've had I've had clients like come to me and they're like frustrated, right? They're just confused. They're like, what do I do? Like, how do I feed myself and my family at the same time if they don't eat the way I do? So I love that, that you, you know, have the same, cook the same foods, but you have them still choose and you don't force them to eat anything that they don't want to try or want to eat. So I think that's really yeah. great. And yeah. you can, you know, they can smell it, you know, if they're mm -hmm. really feeling, you know, a little crazy they can lick it <laughs> you know they don't have to put it in their mouth uh, right. i think there's a lot of people out there walking around with some kind of food trauma and um i'm i'm really hoping mm -hmm. you know my kids don't get it from me and and we try also not to have like bad foods and good foods i mean mm -hmm. we try you know my husband eats my husband cycles like still a lot like i i run a fair bit but he cycles like a lot and so he yeah. eats like he needs a lot of food, right? And right. after dinner, he goes kind of on a hunt, right? <laughs> He's looking <laughs> for food. And so the, the challenge is that he will have some things that like he craves that he needs in the house. Um, right. I don't know, tortilla chips, right? And he wants those mm -hmm. things. And then it's like, well, if dad is having it, why am I not having like a big bowl of chip, right? Uh, but these days we've settled on yeah. popcorn, which is a whole grain. Oh. And we make it, you know, from just kernels in the microwave and a paper, you know, brown paper bag. Um, and that seems to, you know, fit everybody's needs. So it's, you know, whole foods, plant-based, yeah. no oil. You don't have to add salt. <laughs> and, and the kids mm -hmm. love it. And that way, uh, it also hits that spot after dinner sometimes if people are, are still feeling feeling yeah. hungry. But, yeah, the key is, is okay. you know, we want to have food in the house that we're okay eating. Right. Um, not stuff that that we don't want to promote but at the same time you know once in a while yeah they have candy or they have you know last yesterday was my father-in-law's birthday and my mother-in-law made this mm -hmm. really awesome chocolate vegan cake and we took the took the rest oh. home and after dinner we had a piece and you know there's nothing nothing wrong with that yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's great and anika also asked do you have your kiddos help with meals Oh, I wish I did it more. I feel really bad about it. I've posted a couple of uh, blog posts about that. So if you go to veganfamilykitchen.com slash blog, and I think there's a place you can click strategies. I've got a couple of uh, guest articles, one from um, uh, Dr. Pamela Ferguson, the dietitian, and she's a plant-based dietitian who talks about what she did with her kids. And it's so awesome. Uh, uh, she did kitchen internships where she has three or four kids, something like that. And one at a time, they were like the intern in the kitchen and they would help a little bit every day, not the whole meal, but just, you know, 15 minutes a day kind of thing over the course mm -hmm. of a month to build up their skills. Because the, the challenge that I have, my kids are like this, like they love each other so much and they all want to do the same thing together. And I can't manage two kids at the same time in the kitchen. Uh, so if one comes and says, oh, I want to help, then the other one comes rushing in. And then it's like a battle over who's holding a measuring cup and stuff. No. And, you know, it, it's kind of fun, but it takes you like nowhere fast in terms of right. getting the meal on the table. So um, you, we do it a bit, but not, not half as much as we need to. But I think that strategy yeah. will be really, um, you know, my daughter's nine now. So I've, I've chatted about, about it with her and she's really interested in doing more baking too, which is awesome because I don't bake enough. Like I want to make more muffins and, like mm -hmm. energy balls kind of thing and stuff to, to bring in their lunches. Yeah. Um, so we need, we need to do more of that, but I think it will be the kitchen internship strategy that's going to start this summer yeah. where um, we have that's a little great. bit more, more bandwidth. So yeah, check out that article. Yeah, the other one um, is about the different tasks that different kids can do depending on their age. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's called ways to get kids um, engaged into cooking or something like that. Yeah. So there's lots of good suggestions there, but yeah, That's do crazy. do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not not easy, not easy. Yeah, to do, working on it. That's great. That's so great, though. I think that's so it's so important. I actually part of my 
graduate program that I did, I did a lot of research with cooking with kids and how that helped them to actually eat more fruits and vegetables. So yeah, I think totally. that's so, so cool. It's so valuable. I think you shared some really, really great tips for anyone that has kids. Definitely. So cool. Now, um, what else? So how about like, how can this meal planning, like how can this help, like say, you know, a lot of people in my group, right, are runners and may also have families as well. So how can this help, you know, how can this, you know, having a meal plan, how can that help runners as well yeah, to like, yeah. meet their needs as well as make sure they're getting the needs for their kids as well? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if we talk about philosophy here for a second, you know, what we eat is what we are. Like our cells are made of the nutrients we intake through, you know, our mouth. I mean, for the most part, there's a little bit of other stuff, but mostly it's mm -hmm. we're made of what we've eaten, right? And um, as an athlete or any person who uses their body for work, and I mean, even if you're using your brain for work, it's also your body, mm -hmm. right? Um, what we eat becomes also what we do, like our capacity to do stuff. And I really yeah. cannot think of anything more important in our life, like, Mm -hmm. than what we eat. I mean, and, and you know, making sure that yeah. you eat good stuff. However, yeah. unfortunately, um, I think as a society, this whole thing about eating and cooking, it's kind of become an afterthought or something like an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. And there's some really unfortunate reasons in terms of how, you know, we, we have such a unequal society, basically, where people have to, you know, sometimes work two jobs, like a lot of people don't even have a kitchen and things like that, right? Where, where they're really mm -hmm. struggling with insecurity and it's hard to feed themselves. But there's also lots of people who have a home, who have a job, who don't, you know, are not excessively stressed, who still don't put food as a, you know, top priority. And I think that's mm -hmm. really unfortunate. And that's a shift that we've certainly made in, in my family where, you know what? It's worth putting a lot of effort or even like a significant amount of effort, if it's not a lot, a lot, but you know, it's worth thinking mm -hmm. about what we eat because it's, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it would save time today if we don't meal plan. Um, but in the long run, like either it will cost us in terms of years uh, of life that we don't get to live, or it will cost us in terms of quality of life, you know, going to the doctor mm -hmm. for appointments takes a lot of time too, right? So I'd rather spend my time mm -hmm. meal planning if I can. And of course, you know, yes. what. A whole foods plant-based diet is not, you know, a, a magic panacea, a magic pill for excellent mm -hmm. health for your whole life, but it sure helps a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, mm -hmm. I think investing the time up front in cooking is, is really important. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what, for me, the, the meal plans are about, right? It's about not spending mm -hmm. my whole day, because that's what I was doing before, right? I was like, I would start, you know, I would get to work after surviving breakfast and it would be... <sighs> I would, I would, I would have to be working, but you know, whenever I had a moment, it would be, oh, what are we having for dinner, right? And maybe I would be sneaking into Pinterest, right, or blog, you know, yeah. googling a recipe, and thinking, oh, I don't have this ingredient, or, um, you know, oh, I, I don't know how to do this, or that's weird, or you know, how can I do this faster? So that was really consuming a lot of of my effort. So having the plan, having mm -hmm. decided it again ahead of time, means that you don't have to worry about it. And just for that, <laughs> for me, it was like a life-saving thing. Uh, also not yeah. having to rely on willpower, right? When you come home mm -hmm. at five o'clock, mm -hmm. especially having picked up kids from daycare or, you know, having had a stressful day at work, and then you have to, you know, cook dinner from scratch, having to think of something. People are talking to you at the same time. You're trying, you know, my husband comes home yeah. and he's unpacking his day from whatever mm -hmm. happened. Like there's a lot if you want to feed yourself well you need to think about it a little bit but if you're trying to think about it at 5 p.m at night it's it's like we call it the witching hour for those who have kids and it's it's totally true like it's not a good time to have knives in your hands <laughs> right so not a good idea uh, from a very practical standpoint it saves a lot of time and money uh especially money mm -hmm. so having and, and it saves, you know, it reduces food waste. I don't know how many times before I was really into meal planning, I bought, mm -hmm. you know, we'd go to the farmer's market on the weekend and super good intentions and buy all the amazing <laughs> vegetables. And then Friday yeah. you open the fridge and then super nice vegetables are like, you know, um, whereas now yeah, throw it away. there's 
I love it so much when on a Friday, so I usually, I, I do my meal plan or I revise my meal plan on Friday night, Saturday, if we can, we go to the farmer's market. And Sunday, I usually do a little bit of a, a prep. And throughout the week, you know, we eat the food. And then Friday, my husband will open the fridge and he's like, the fridge is empty. And I'm like, yes, you know, I did it. <laughs> it means I use everything and we're ready to start over, right? And I didn't yes. buy amazing food with beautiful vitamins that went, you know, to the compost yeah. heap. So that really feels good. Um, That's great. And a, a key thing of, of meal planning is that if you know what you're eating in the week, then you can extract some of what I call building blocks that you can prepare on the weekend and do some batch cooking. And that like takes the power of meal planning to like the next level up in terms of um, really reducing reliance on willpower and the time it takes to get, just get dinner on the table on the weekends, on the weeknights. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell more about batch cooking. So when you're talking about batch cooking is, yeah, I know you wanted to talk about this. When you say that, do you mean like, like cook up like a whole head of broccoli and use that for different meals through the week or in snacks? Like how, I guess, explain more. Yeah. About that. I mean, there's, there's lots of different ways to do it and people need to figure out what works best for them. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'll just talk about the approach I take in, okay. in the meal plans. Um, as, a, as an aside, there's something I call minimum viable prep, right? Is that if you have zero time, well, you have at least an hour. There's an hour you can find in your day on the weekend or whenever it's convenient for you. And in that hour, you can cook some grains like quinoa, brown rice, something. You can prepare some kind of veggies. I like roasting myself, but there's other ways. Okay. And you can also um, make something like a simmer dish, whether it's a soup, a stew, like a chili, a curry, or something, and having the and also, if possible, squeeze in a dressing or a sauce. Like th those are the kind of things that people tend to buy ready-made at the store. Uh, but if you can, you know, in one hour, you can do those four things, and it will just make your life so much easier in the weeknight. I mean, if you have a family of four, five, six people to feed, obviously that will not be enough. But mm -hmm. especially for a single or a couple, that minimum viable prep will definitely carry you through the possibility of you know, improvising some meals throughout the week. Mm -hmm. uh, what I do is more, a little bit more involved. So um, the mm -hmm. way I work is that I plan my meals two weeks at a time. So okay. I find that having that like 10 dinners window gives me the option of, of cooking some building blocks that I can use in multiple meals. So my favorite example, I make a vegan, a really mighty vegan bolognese kind of sauce. I make it different ways depending mm. on the season. Uh, but, you know, it goes super well on pasta, obviously, on gnocchi, which is like potato pasta. Mm -hmm. uh, but it goes well on roasted portobello. It goes well on polenta. You can just mm. eat it with a spoon <laughs> if you want. Um, so <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, so you cook that thing once, and then you can eat three or four dinners that feel different over the course of those two weeks. Uh, or I will make, I don't know, a cashew kind of cream, cashew sauce thing. Mm -hmm. And it will have a role in like a topping for pizza. It will go in, I don't know, burritos. And then you can use it to make it like a creamy Alfredo style pasta mm -hmm. dish on a different day, right? And so that's a little bit like next level batch cooking in mm -hmm. the sense of, when I plan my meals for 10, you know, 10 dinners at a time, I, I don't feel like I need to really plan breakfast and lunch very much lunch. We tend to mm. eat leftovers. Breakfast, personally, I just have overnight oats every day. And I'm, I do batch them. Like I batch all my overnight oats on mm -hmm. the weekend. And that way I don't need to do it at the last minute. But so specifically for dinner, it's really about that, you know, thinking about those different components that can serve many different meals mm -hmm. in the week. So you always get... A different dinner like you're not eating pasta with bolognese sauce you know five times in two weeks that that would mm -hmm. kind of suck right i mean it's it's better than the alternative i guess um but i really try to have those common pieces or you know if i cook quinoa for the next two weeks it will come back in like three different meals and so you mm -hmm. you cook a big batch you freeze some and then the following week you you have some leftover that you can use in a different way than, mm -hmm. than the way you used it in the first week. And so usually I have like, I alternate between having a big prep session that has like a lot of stuff going in it 
And then the following week, I will have like a smaller prep session for just mm. some last minute, fresher veggie things. Uh, mm -hmm. The one thing I, I know there's some people who cook their whole thing on the weekend, like um, they make a stir fry on mm -hmm. the weekend and they eat it sometime in the week. I personally don't like that. I find that the veggies just taste better and I'm guessing they probably have more nutrients as well if I cook them a little more at the last minute. Mm -hmm. But I make the sauce in advance, right? And I will prepare the, mm -hmm. the stir fry sauce so that I don't have mm -hmm. the, I don't know, like start my blender on a weeknight mm -hmm. or um, kind of I will cook <laughs> brown rice ahead of time because brown rice takes a long time to yes. cook, right? So on a weeknight, yeah. forget it, it's not happening. But on the weekend, sure, mm -hmm. I can do it. So I make a really big batch, I freeze some of it, I keep some for the week. Um, and so when I do the stir fry, well, it just takes 10 minutes to, you know, warm up the wok and, you know, chop a few veggies and yeah. the total, you know, it takes 15, 20 minutes, which is acceptable for me. Um, mm -hmm. If I want dinner to be on the table in five minutes on weeknights, it's possible, right? But it's going to have, to, there's going to be a, a compromise somewhere. Um, right. So that's, that's my method of batch cooking. Sometimes it also means um, if I do, in, usually in the weeknights, there's going to be one slow cooker dish. So you can make it on the weekend, that's mm -hmm. nice. But if you didn't, you start it, let's say Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, you eat whatever comes out of it. And usually I will have my clients save some of it because the, the slow cooker mm -hmm. makes a batch. And they save some of it and it comes back in the meal the following week. So that's basically optimizing our time in the kitchen, just like we try yeah. to optimize everything, right? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. So what do your meal plans exactly look like? Can you explain? Yeah. I know you wanted to show. This is a dirty one. Yeah, yeah we can do share screen. This one looks dirty because uh, I've used it. I always cook from my meal plan. So um, there's yeah. there's other meal planning services out there and they're awesome. Uh, there, there's all sorts of different options. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them are more like computer generated and some of them like mine are written by hand with love. Um, <laughs> but so I think um, something that's specific here is that I do plan the meals uh, two weeks at a time. And so on every meal plan, there's you know the list of the 10 meals that you're going to eat, including what is it that you're going to do at the, in advance and what it is that you're going to do at the last minute. And there's a few tips, you know, a lot of people need some substitutions because they have allergies, mm -hmm. gluten-free, whatever it is. So there's some suggestions there. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the also powerful shopping list that I've prepared right. and it explains, you know, you need to buy sage, it goes in the potato soup, right? And this is when you need to buy it. Uh, and so then there's two different components, like people have to read it. It, it does take a lot of bit of time to get acquainted with it, but Mm -hmm. I think once you're into it, it's pretty seamless. Mm -hmm. So for every week, there's like on Monday, this is what you do. On Tuesday, this is what you do. And it's not the full recipe. It basically tells you, well, pull out like the brown rice. So you're supposed to have done it on the weekend. And this is where the prep session comes out. So I've ordered the steps that you're supposed to make on the weekend. So they make the most sense. In particular, for example, if you're going to use a blender, for two different things. Well, I will have you use the blender for something white first and then for something, you know, colorful after. And usually you don't need to clean it. Mm. In between. Like if you're making a cashew cream, you don't need to like scrape it to death <laughs> or, to, you know, have to wash your blender. You can just reuse it right. to make your, I don't know, cream of beets, Smart. right? So mm -hmm. it saves a lot of time and dishwashing time, especially to, to have the steps taught ahead of time. Because the, the danger yeah. when people start batch cooking sometimes is like they get really ambitious yes. and they make a mess. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, then, and then you're like, you know, you, you're done and you have all that food and that's awesome. But you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. I never <laughs> want to do this again. And next week yes. you're thinking, oh, I could do batch cooking, but you know, the heck with this because it will take me four hours, right? So yeah. it's really about following a certain order of steps that makes uh, the most possible sense. And as yeah. I was saying, you know, usually there's a bigger session that will take maybe two to three hours, depending on the skill of the person okay. chopping. And mm -hmm. then there's a short, you know, 45 minutes an hour kind of session on the alternating week. Um, and the thing I was going to say earlier about the, um, the other meal plans, and you know, there, there's, there's some really lovely options out there. 
Um, yeah. What they do is that they, they churn out new meal plans all the time, right? So it just keeps right. on going. And when I started doing my meal plans, that was kind of my plan too. I started, you know, doing the whole plans and then I finished the whole year and I was like, actually what we ate last year was really good. Like, why do I need to create something new? And so yeah. now what I do is that I update the plans. And sometimes, yeah, I do change a recipe. Um, most mm -hmm. of the time I fix a typo or, you know, there's an error in the shopping list, so I fix that. Uh, but I keep on repeating the same recipes. And what I find is that mm -hmm. now I just cook so much faster. And my husband is like, oh, we've never had this before. I was like, actually, we did <laughs> exactly a year ago, right? Um, but that way, what it, it does is like a cooking course, right? If you follow the meal plans for like even just six months, you see the normal, I call them standards for people who play music like jazz. There's a few standards like cues mm -hmm. that you hear, like the that, that come back over and over in different versions. And that's kind of, you know, there's a stir fry. There's rice dishes of different types. There's like pasta with sauce or, you know, this over that. Mm -hmm. There's the bits and bobs style, you know, of, of dinner that can be either a bowl yeah. or a platter, but there's only so many different dishes. And once you yeah. know those forms, you can easily improvise new dinners based on whatever is seasonal, whatever looks good at the farmer's market, whatever you mm -hmm. feel like, but you don't need to, you know, slave with an exact recipe and like, oh my God, there's smoked paprika. I don't have smoked paprika. I can't cook mm -hmm. dinner. <laughs> you know, my, my, I had a roommate like that. It was like, she couldn't do anything. It was like the end of the recipe. She was like, does not compute, right? But I think oh, no. a lot of us are just slaves to recipe, but you, you, you don't need yes. to, but we yeah. need to have that basic knowledge. And that's what the meal plans aim to do is like, after a while, you know, you don't even look at the details of the recipe. You're like, oh, you want me to make mm -hmm. seitan? Okay. I'll make seitan, right? And you don't need to go into the details, really. It becomes a habit. So I have lots of customers after a year, they become what I call graduates. They still get the meal plans uh, mm -hmm. and they still cook from them, but they don't, uh, they're just updated meal plans. Uh, they're not completely brand new plans mm -hmm. that they get all the time. And uh, okay. the pricing reflects that. But yeah, that's, um, I thought it was kind of a downside at the beginning, but it turns out that people love it. They're like, oh, yeah, I, lo I love those recipes and I'm happy they're back. So. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. So during the year, then they're all different recipes for. Yeah, 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 year? pretty much. But That's as awesome. I said, you know, uh, something like a spaghetti sauce, right? Well, yeah. it will be different. I usually play every dish like three or four times a year but they change okay. with seasonal ingredients. So in right. the fall and winter, you will have things like squashes, like winter squashes. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the summer, you will have more tomato. In the spring, you have asparagus, uh, some veg, some imported fruit like mangoes, for example, where they're plentiful in like mm -hmm. kind of spring. Uh, so that's the time to have them on the menu. I don't mm -hmm. suggest that somebody eats asparagus in November because asparagus mm -hmm. comes you know, from the other side of the world. Um, I do have mm -hmm. clients in Australia and they follow the reverse plans from us. So their yeah. seasons being alternate. So they, they follow the meal plans from summer when we're in winter. Um, mm. But obviously most of my clients are in North America and, and in, in Europe. So they fall, mm -hmm. you know, we have more or less the same uh, growing seasons. So we have the mm -hmm. same kind of stuff in our supermarkets. So yeah, so the same recipes, not exactly the same but the same mm -hmm. kinds of dishes come back, but with mm -hmm. different combinations of ingredients based on the season. And, and uh, you know, in the winter also more, you know, comforty food and in the summer, yes. more salads, which means more chopping in the yeah. summer, unfortunately, but yes, <laughs> haven't found a solution to that. Yeah, <laughs> you just gotta love, learn to love it, right? Yeah, or exactly. Or somebody to do it for you, I guess. <laughs> That's the alternative, yes. Awesome. That sounds so cool. I love it. All right. Let me see if there are any other questions that I did. Oh, what is, what would you say is the biggest benefit to batch cooking? Oh, I mean, I can't even imagine another way. Like, I mean, I used to not do it, um, yeah. but it just makes my life so much easier. And, and I was mentioning willpower earlier, right? Yes. And again, that, that awful hour before dinner when you're tired and hangry maybe and angry and hungry and people yelling people being tired like my kids have a 
sometimes, you know, they come home from school and they're just like exhausted and they're finally home in that comfortable, like loving place and they just mm -hmm. fall apart, right? And if on top of that, I have to decide what's for dinner and sometimes like maybe there's a plan, but it's like, there's nothing cooked, right? So it's like, oh, what a chore. But if I open the fridge and it's waiting for me right there and it says, you know, jackfruit, mm -hmm. pinto bean curry on a Wednesday, I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> I, I feel it physically, right? There's really, yes. uh, it's sorted out. So I don't need to worry about it. Right. And I think that's really the key. Yes. It takes willpower out of the equation. It doesn't like, it's half done. I'm already mm -hmm. halfway there. So it's kind of like right. uh, putting your running clothes next to your bed, right? So you get out of bed yes. and you go into your running clothes. You don't use your willpower to fight the battle of, of getting yes. dressed. You just, I get dressed. So that's that's really the yes. key benefit of batch cooking is you don't need to battle yourself. It's just yes. go ahead and, and eat the fruit of your labor from from a time when you were less stressed, right? And when a mm -hmm. time when you were more disposed to um, to yes. making decisions for yourself. Well, that's yes. really the key. Definitely, definitely. I agree. I agree. Since I've started kind of doing that as well, like I do all my meal prep on Sundays. I just like have continued to do it and every Sunday and I'm like, it's just a habit now. I'm just like, I can't imagine not doing it. And then it's our weekends, right. That are busy and I don't do it. Then during the week, it's, it's usually the most stressful week ever. Cause I'm just like, yeah. I'm so hangry, like all the time. Cause I have nothing <laughs> ready to, to eat yeah, right yeah. away. And I'm so used to just going to the fridge and pulling it out and just warming, you know, some roasted vegetables up and, and rice. Totally. And, it's just so it makes your life so much easier yeah. and it prevents you from eating all the same thing right because if i don't yes. have a plan and i don't have like the batch cook things i will fall back right. onto something that's okay yeah but it gets repetitive right whereas right. if i've got a plan that i'm Trying following it really the food just this is way better mm -hmm. um especially and you know especially if you've just had a workout like you can't have a workout at the end of the day if dinner is not figured yes. out if you have right. family, right? Because mm -hmm. if you have to feed yeah. other people, you know, you know, I'm going for a run at, you know, 4.30 right. and then I get home at, you know, 5.45. Oh my God, what am I, right. you know, it's impossible. So it then is. you don't go for a run, yeah. but that's, that sucks, right? So instead, what if you could have mm -hmm. the better part of both worlds? So, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. So I would love to know, and hopefully everyone does as well. How do we find you? How can we have access to these meal plans? All that. Yeah. So the, the number one thing people need to do this weekend, if they want to have a better week next week, um, they can take the planned and plant-based challenge. It's a, a basically Yay. a sample plan of five dinners. And so you go to veganfamilykitchen.com slash planned P-L-A-N-N-E-D. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it's you need to type in your email. You get a printable thing in return, and you're going to get a few kick-in-the-pants kind of emails throughout <laughs> the week after that to remind you of why it's such a good thing to do for yourself. Um, awesome. And so it in indicates clearly these are the steps you take on the weekend. I think it takes like a couple of hours, um, and this is how you eat throughout the week. And um, mm -hmm. there's really – those are five of my – favorite recipes, uh, but by no means not the only ones. Um, and that's the best way to, to connect with me. And if you go into there, then it will give you uh, more info about uh, if people want to stick to the meal plans in the long run. I also have a, a small online course that's called the 5000 meal solution, because if you're feeding yourself and other people for the next few years, that's about 5000 meals you have to figure out. And uh, Ooh, it's a lot. It's, uh, it's a, a basically the DIY version of the meal plans, like how um, somebody can design a simple meal planning strategy for themselves and their family um, yeah. and, and implement it. So that's also um, available from my website. If people awesome. just sign up for my newsletter, they'll learn more about that. Great. Awesome. Yes. And we can put the links here below the video. I'll post them awesome. in the group and all that for everybody. Um, but yeah, definitely. I definitely encourage people Thank to you. check that out. Yeah. Check both of those out, you know, your, your plant-based challenge as well as your course. Definitely. And is there anything else that we didn't cover? Did I cover everything? Is there anything else you'd like to share with everybody? This was an awesome conversation, and I just want to say thank you very much for the the opportunity to think about all that. Uh, yeah, the one thing yeah, I, I want 
everybody to remember um, is that we have to do it first for ourselves. That has to be our driving motivation. We're not doing, I mean, I want my kids to be nourished, you know, sure, okay. Uh, that's really important. Mm -hmm. But it's the most important thing is me. Like I can only f nourish others if I've been nourished first. And yeah. if they're a little picky, finicky, you know, if they have sometimes, you know, people have spouses who are reluctant or whatever, you know, start yeah. with you. Find, you know, your feel-good groove with yourself. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And then you can sort the rest mm -hmm. out later, right? But, um, you know, Absolutely. do it for yourself. Whatever it takes, um, you won't regret it. Like, there's not ever a meal prep session or a home-cooked meal that I've regretted cooking ever. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's always, it's like, you know, there's never a run that I've regretted going on. Um, it's the same thing. Yeah. We have to make it a priority for exactly the same reasons. Right, exactly. Yes, I love that. I love that. And Anika, I'm gonna share here as well. Anika just checked out your challenge. Oh, <laughs> so good. that's awesome. Awesome, awesome. awesome. Yeah, so Thank definitely. you, Anika. We'll see you there. See you in the kitchen. Great yes. place. <laughs> awesome. Yay. Well, thank you so much for joining. Well, thank you. And yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. And as I said, I'll post those links below to your challenge, your course, all that stuff. Um, and hopefully, well, I'm sure we'll keep in touch and we'll talk. Yeah, to you thank you. All right. You're keep welcome. on running and keep on cooking. <laughs> I will. <laughs> all right. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. stopping by on the plant-based performance podcast if you could do me one favor and share this episode to someone you think would like it i'd be forever grateful also please leave a review by going to itunes and let us know what you would like to hear more of or if you have a question leave us a voice message thanks again so much